conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. And for the minute, it's just me. I will welcome Mary Rodwell um, and we'll start the proper episode soon. But I am recording this um, little intro even after I've released this episode because there is more interference that you'll hear in this episode. And I've had several people contact me um, asking me if I know that there is um, more interference like what we experienced with the aliens episode. What episode number was that? Okay, I just looked it up. It's episode 95. There's an episode with Michael Massey um, called Aliens. And it's the only time other than this one where I've explored um, aliens. They did come up, I think, in um, David Lyons' episode, um, but we didn't really go deeply into it. Um, this episode and episode 95 are the only ones where I have specifically had the topic of aliens, and there has been this unusual audio interference um, in each of those episodes. So this one, it happens at the very, very end. I did mention it in the show notes, but I, I also listen to podcasts and I don't read the show notes usually too, so I, I understand that it got overlooked. But I wanted once I heard this, um, and not the least, I mean, the interference is fascinating and Mary, but you know, it doesn't take anything away from Mary's content. She is amazing. She's doing really, really amazing work. And it was a real blessing to have her. Um, but you know, when I, what happens with this interference is that I went back and I edited the podcast and then I got all the way to the end and I realized that I hadn't closed it out, which is, I, I often do that with, um, when I interview somebody, you know, rather than closing it out while I'm with them, I'll go back later and do it. But I'd forgotten that I hadn't done that yet. So I edit the whole thing and I don't really hear a lot. I mean, there are some little glitchy things in there, but you know, we're recording by zoom and we're on opposite sides of the world. So, um, it, nothing dramatic happens during it. And then I go back and I edit it and I record the closing a couple of weeks later, maybe I can't remember exactly how long. And I'm just trying to, I'm really focused on like what I want to say and trying not to make it too long and whatnot. And so I, I say my thing and then I go back and I listen to it right away and thinking, okay, I just need to close this out and um, move on to the next thing. And and then I hear the interference. And it's so similar to what happened in the last episode. <laughs> I just burst out laughing. I was home by myself and I just burst out laughing because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it happened again. Um, and so the facts are, if I want to appeal to your left hemisphere, um, you know, this is the same equipment that I have been using for, this is the 101st podcast. I have other podcasts also that I've recorded that haven't been released yet. I've recorded many guided meditations that aren't included in that number. And the only two times that this has happened, it has been on the topic of aliens. So for me, that, um, that resonates and that, 
that seems more than a coincidence. That seems um, like it is intentional, and and that seems like contact to me. Um, now, I am not like the people that we discuss in this podcast that Mary has research where you know they have conscious recall of um, galactic encounters. I can't include myself in that. You you have access to what I have access to, so um, you get to make up your own mind and decide for yourself what what you think is going on. And um, but anyway, without further ado, let's get on with Mary. Hi, and welcome to the meditation conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and I'm so excited today to welcome Mary Rodwell. She's joining us from Queensland, Australia. Correct, Queensland? It is indeed. Okay. Yes, Queensland. Okay, great. And she is the founder of Australian Close Encounter Resource Network. She's a former nurse, midwife, and health educator. And since 1994, Mary's worked in private practice as a professional counselor, hypnotherapist, metaphysical teacher, researcher, author, Reiki master, and international speaker. And I have been devouring Mary's 2016 book, The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. So I can't wait to discuss this book and the wealth of information that I have found in it. Um, but first, well, first, welcome, Mary. So great to have you. Um, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, wonderful. And I wondered if we could just start with your background. I I love your website. It's alienlady.com, which is perfect. It's so perfect. Just the best um the best domain name that could possibly exist. Um, but how did you become such an authority in the ET space? You went from an, a healthcare practitioner to a researcher and counselor on alien encounters. So can you take us through that a little bit? Um, certainly. And it may help people to realize that I came from a very conventional background mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously as a nurse and a midwife, and quite honestly, if you told me 40 odd years ago when I was nursing, that one day I'd be traveling the world talking about UFOs and aliens, I'd have probably sent you to the nearest psychiatrist because <laughs> that nothing was further from my consciousness. Um, not that I didn't, you know, I didn't believe that that was possible, but it wasn't something that had come into my you know, my framework at that time. Right. So it's been a kind of process where I went from being a health educator and I um, started to, uh, if you like, explore counseling simply because it was offered to me in a, in a medical practice and I got trained in counseling and it, it grabbed me because what I loved about counseling was that this was you know, um, part of the reason a lot of people get sick is because of their emotional, psychological traumas um, and issues. And if I can be a preventative 
rather than a cure, then that was going to, you know, that really appealed to me. Mm. But as I explored and I, I, when I came to Australia, I did grief and bereavement and hospice working with those that only had a short time to live. It took me into another realm of what, what does happen after death? You know, do we survive? Um, really the spiritual journey was um, what that took me into. And so I started to explore everything from reincarnation to, um, you know, the survival after death, near death experiences, all those kinds of phenomena. Mm. And um, in fact, what intrigued me about that was that when I learned hypnosis, that was what I found myself being drawn into was things like past lives, not just, you know, looking at this life, but other lifetimes and how that, um, that reality for people where they would be um, releasing traumas from, you know, those imprints of other lifetimes was fascinating. And really, I suppose I, I felt like my human journey was preparing me for the next step. And literally, as I'm exploring all of this, I find someone walking through the door saying they heard I was open-minded. They were having experiences with, um, you know, aliens on board craft, left with marks on the body, were um, the whole family was having experiences. And that what gave it, you know, a lot more validity, right. if you like, yeah. sense that this wasn't just one person. This was the whole family involved. And he said relatives wouldn't come to the house because they thought it was demons. But he was waking up with marks on his body, shaved areas, et cetera. So it was very tangible. Wow. And this really was going down the rabbit hole for me because Fortunately, I'm one of these people, if it, if a subject is weird and wonderful, I've got usually got a book on it. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's always been part of my um, desire to know truth, to, to understand why we're here. What's it all about? What's the big, big picture mm. that anyone on their spiritual journey wants? And that really started me on this big picture, realizing not just were the spirits and angelic realms and you know, all the, the religious figures, ascended masters, all this, there were in fact non-human intelligences, both physical and non-physical in terms of interdimensional, extra-dimensional, trans-dimensional. And I believe prob very probably visitors from our future. So it's that's where it's taken me over the last 25 years. Wow. I love that. And I'm so with you. My bookshelves are just like children's memories of past lives and, you know, reincarnation and, and anything. I mean, I'm so drawn to the same topics that you, that you, um, describe as well. Did you find that from a personal experience, have you ha also had experience or is it, is it through your clients that you've had the the encounter did did anything open up for you individually through all this work well i have to come clean a little bit um and in the sense of during the journeying into having my own past life regressions where i discovered i had a number of lifetimes which at the time was even like i was questioning the reality of it even though it was coming almost like, you know, a fast movie um, oh, wow. and coming out with things that I knew I didn't know. But um, when I was being regressed, 
were coming out with these different things, terms I wouldn't ever use. Um, that intrigued me and got me into doing the past life regressions myself in terms of helping other people. But I also was invited to join a group and there were professionals, um, two were clinical psychologists and one of them was a nursing sister. There was a, a homeopath. And there was also um, a trans medium. And basically, we explored all the ways we connect to the non-physical realm. So it was, you know, everything from remote healing, energy work. Um, we did it all. We, you know, connecting to our team. I call it my non-physical team. And at the time, I know that I was really quite skeptical because I've got a very healthy left brain that says, hold on, Mary, you need you know, you need to have tangibility here. You need to have validity with your experiences. And I had certain experiences that proved to me without any shadow of a doubt that this was real. And, um, and it happened very early on. And it still was a catalyst for, ex you know, the experience after that. I couldn't doubt it. Mm. And so that led me, Cara, into understanding how it works so um, quite a bit of my work nowadays is helping people at that point where they're feeling they're maybe getting communication, feeling they're getting downloads of information, perhaps having some form of sense they're communicating with different realms, whether it's the angelic realm or, or you know, one of the more religious sides, whether they feel it, you know, the Christ consciousness or whatever, or they are aware that it may be you know, um, a, be a blue being or a, a light being or, or whatever it is, but not quite making that, bringing it into the tangibility of making it 3D. And a lot of my work is showing people how to do that so that they can actually va validate and work with it in a more conscious way rather than just waiting for the insights or just waiting for it to happen. Because I believe that's the next step. The next step for us being part of the galactic community is about us consciously working with those um, beings and knowing who they are. Because mm -hmm. I say to people, you know, when they say they're getting downloads or they're getting information, I'll say, well, who are you working with? And they'll say, I don't really know, but it's always helpful. It always supports me and what have you. And I say, well, you're talking to your best friend behind a wooden door. Don't you think it's time you found out who they were? Yeah. And so then, you know, then you have, that extra tangibility that you can actually access that whenever you want rather than waiting for the next insight or synchronicity or or download or whatever it is. You can consciously say, hi, guys, this is what I need to have some understanding on or whatever, because, you know, we are multidimensional. We are meant to be operating in that realm as well as the physical realm. Wow. That's beautiful. And, and that's illustrated so beautifully in, in your book. That's one of the things that, um, because you, you focus really the, the majority of the book is really focused on encounters of the youth. Those I'd say who were, you know, post 2000s birth year, you know, 2000 and forward, not all of them were, but, um, and, you know, some of them talk about that with such maturity, you know, such spiritual maturity. And they will say, you know, I've, there are things in there like, I know that I'm actually working with myself. You know, I'm working with another dimensional aspect of my own self, but it's expressing 
as from Arcturus or, you know, the Pleiades or whatever. Um, and that's just fascinating. And, um, and I don't know, you kind of made me think of that when you were talking about the, um, you know, this re it's a resource really. Um, yeah. But many of the children in particular, they identify as there are different terms that, that they identify with such as star children, indigos, crystal children. And those terms were relatively new to me. So I wondered if we could just kind of, if there's any clarity that needs to happen, if there's any different differentiation or if they are all interchangeable, these terms. Um, Cara, it's, very, um, it's a very good question. <clears throat> In uh, metaphysical circles, we all already, many will recognize the term indigo, crystal children, children of light, um, all these different terms that are used to identify the nature of these new generations of human that are coming into the planet have been over a number of years. Often it's talking about their frequency and it's talking about their role. So, you know, the indigos are often the warriors and they're coming in to challenge the system, for example. Mm. You get others that are coming in as healers, um, as empaths, for example. So they have a different frequency and what have you. So in that sense, in metaphysical terms, you have these different identifying names to their um, who, that, who and what they have come in with as their mission. The other issue, though, that I saw um, being very clear was in um, conventional terms, you have these, these children being identified as different, but not in a positive way. Mm. Uh, um, they're identified as different as a dysfunction. And we have these terms, ADHD, Asperger's, some, some forms of autism, dyslexia. And the reason that I um, focused on that is because when I looked at the intergenerational link of those that have contact, and this is going back to the grandparents and beyond that, it's going through the family lines where the mother or father or both comes then down to the next generation. And each generation appears to be that little bit more conscious or more aware of who and what they've come in with. And what I was noticing was a lot of the new generations of children, the parents would say, oh, but he's got autism or he's got a certain, you know, he's got Asperger's or he's got this, this and this. And I kept, you know, wondering, you know, as you do, so why would these intelligences create a dysfunctional human unless it's not a dysfunction? Maybe it is something we haven't identified that makes them different. And what I discovered was that many of these children were highly multidimensionally aware, many remembering their past lives, um, knowing why they've come into the, the planet at this time, knowing about their mission. To give you an example, um, a 10-year-old explaining that he came from a planet that, um, that he remembers him being a blue, blue being. He explained that he was um, a center seed connecting to the planet's core here to work with pollution on this planet right now. Mm -hmm. So he knew, even at that age, why he'd incarnated, what his mission was. This is what I mean about, and what I, the reason I focused on the children 
was because so many of them are coming in. Many of them are seen as dysfunctional because they're labeled ADHD or whatever. But what was really what's really going on is they don't function so well in a very programmed 3D reality. So there's, you know, they um, are harder to program. And I believe that's deliberate because the harder they are to program, the more they will stay in a multidimensional state to access more of who and what they are. So I believe it's a, a deliberate way of, if you like, a different wiring mm -hmm. so that they're not programmed out as one nine-year-old in Sweden told me, when you go to school, they program you out of your light is the way that she explained it. Mm -hmm. And this is really um, what a lot of the children, you know, in what we call, you know, the conventional educational system you know, will see things that just don't fit for them. And why is that? It's because many of them are being educated off world. Um, and this is, you know, you've got children of three and four talking about going to, with their special friends, to these um, special places where they go to school and they learn. Um, I, I always remember this lovely eight-year-old telling me how she was so excited because a few days earlier, she got a mom to contact me who was in the US and said, a few days ago, that their beings, her special friends, had taken her to a planet where she was taught to levitate, how to use her third eye, and was even shown um, interspecies um, manipulation because they seed other planets with different um, with different life forms and what have you. And this is all coming quite spontaneously after a, um, a couple of days um, of this having this experience. So you've got these children really quite conscious of their interactions. This isn't in hypnosis. This is conscious recall. And fortunately, many of them are, uh, you know, incarnating into a family where one or both parents might be aware to actually listen to mm -hmm. what their children are saying. And the reason I wanted to focus so much on the children was because a lot of them are having a really hard time because they're different. It, they're hugely empathic. They get bullied. Um, that often they'll shut down. So the more the parents understand what's going on with the children and listen to them, the more chance these beautiful souls that have come to help the planet and us in our evolution and our shift and change at the moment, they need to be supported so they can do what they've come here to do. So for me, it was vital that the parents, and I get it, I have psychologists contact me, edu you know, different educators, as well as parents, um, who are seeing this, mm. who are aware enough to know that these children are different. So that was why a lot of focus was on the children. Yeah, and one of that's that's evident in in your book as well. And one of the quotes that I pulled um, from the New Human is from Antonio from New Zealand, who says that. Um, well, actually, I think you wrote this in his section but their awareness can be very challenging to them because contact with other forms of intelligences is a knowing with them and doesn't need to be proven. The challenge is to gain acceptance of this knowing when living in a 3D mindset that requires more tangible proof. And so, I mean, thank goodness that they do. I mean, I love that you said that a lot of them have that you're finding that they're born, they are born into families that are offering them this kind of support, or at least the ones who are able to get to you are. 
but that's fascinating, you know, that they, they just know. They know it to be true, and it's like a challenge to then translate that and to get it into this 3D mindset. I think that's the biggest issue, Cara, that I, you know, that uh, has been a concern for. I, I've come across many grandparents that will see this in their grandchildren, but the parents are completely unaware. Uh -huh. And they will say to me, how can I support my grandchild? I can see they're one of the new ones. Um, and yet the parents have no uh -huh. idea um, about, and, and I said, well, your role as a grandparent, you can still, you know, they've chosen you to be their link to this. But this is the, the you know, the, the, the worrying thing for me is hearing the stories of many of these star children that have this knowing of who and what they are. And they're in an environment where their parents may have a very um, formal or strict religious upbringing where they have a different belief to, to the child, and I'll give you an example, and I mention it in The New Human, of a, a, a young Indian man who told me that he knew, always knew he was a starseed. He had absolutely no doubts um, of his origins and that he was um, connected to various intelligences. And he said, the trouble is with my culture, Mary, is we have all these so-called gods, he said, and you know, over a hundred of these gods, he said, and he said, and my countrymen, he said, you know, um, worship them. And he says, but I know they're all just extraterrestrials. They're not gods. They're just extraterrestrials. He said, so what do I do? This is what my parents believe. These are what my relatives and people are around me. And, and I know that's not, they shouldn't be mm. worshipping them. You know, he was, he, he found it really hard to be in a society and this is not the only time I've got others with, you know, very strict or different um, religious beliefs with their parents having this absolute knowing that they're starseeds. And, you know, some of them have, have said to me, you know, and there was one young man in his 20s who, whose pe his parents were very strict in a Christian uh, belief system. And he said, you know, I know I'm a starseed, all the rest of it. And he says, but I can't tell my parents. They would be mm. devastated. They wouldn't handle it because they're so entrenched in their religious beliefs. And, and he said, I've often contemplated mm. suicide because he didn't know how to um, break his parents. You know, he thought it would just break them if they heard something that was completely different to their own belief system. So you've got to, you know, this is, this is the concern that I have, you know, with, with not just the children, but the young starseeds, like Antonio, when I first connected with him, he was 17, but had parents that were very open to all of this, you know, but there are many that are facing um, this awful paradigm uh, block between their own awareness and maybe their parents or their relatives or even friends. And it can be really toxic for them to the point where some of them you know, um, either go on to drugs or alcohol um, to shut down the pain of this, this issue for them because it's so hard for them to live with what they know against what is accepted as reality on this planet. Wow. Yeah, what a, what a tragedy. I mean, uh, when you talked about the, um, the ones who talk about the programming 
and that, you know, maybe they're harder to program and, and that there have been those who've had contact who, who talk about how the school systems program the children. I, is there, is there a risk that those who do know now that it can be programmed out of them that they'll forget or is, or is it, is it very strong? Does that make sense? It, it's, uh, yes, it, it does, Carol. What I would say is that, you know, as a soul, when we come in, um, I, you know, through my regressions, I, you know, they, they talk about choosing their parent, choosing their siblings, choosing their life adventure, if you like, or their life journey. And they're choosing it for the soul's growth. So they've got their personal mandate and they've got a bigger mandate maybe as a part of their mission for this planet. So some of the time the children have come in deliberately to challenge their parents' mm. belief system or their family's belief system. I, um, and that's part of the mm. part of the deal is um, owning your truth in an environment where you know nobody wants to hear it or is challenged by it or is fearful of it. But that's part of um, what they've chosen to come in with as as part of the mandate, if you like, or the the experience and what have you. So, what what needs to happen, and 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 what I do see happening is when there is those blocks in the family, is that they um, source other um, help, and there are um, environments. One of them is a, a lady in America that runs an online. Um, support for the children well all from about eight I think to 16 or whatever where they meet online and they share their experiences but they are with parents that are generally fairly okay. open but what um, you know it, it, it everyone is is different you know you might get a, a child where the grandparents are the ones that are open mm -hmm. to it or whatever when I um, did a, a family support when I was in the U.S. Um, there were a number of families who were, had come to meet to share with their children uh, the children's experiences, I found the ones that needed the most support were the parents. Because really? it might be one parent that was open, but the other one not open, and there would be issues from that experience. Or both parents open but worried about the schooling. What was the best way to help their child, um, you know, because of the conventional schooling shutting children down, Many were looking to, you know, homeschool and this kind of thing. So um, what I, a lot of my role, I believe, was to highlight it, to get the information out there, but also to connect um, families with children so they could support each other. And I, I mean, here in Queensland, I've got a number of contacts with parents um, and their children so that the children can connect with one another um, so that they don't, the child doesn't feel you know, um, completely isolated, but also the parents have someone else who understands right. um, what's going on as well. So this is, I think, absolutely vital, is, yeah. is connecting community. people. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Creating this aware community of the children, having that support, but also the parents, yeah. because they're going against everything, you know, the, mm. the whole... Um, you know, model of reality that we call 3D um, is very powerful and the programming is very powerful. And, it, you know, for me, um, when I uh, 
when I opened up to more of my multidimensional self, I was constantly checking that Mary hadn't lost the plot, you know, that, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Because it's so strong, you know, what's what's not real. And the more you open up, the more that can be an issue for you because you're becoming so different Mm -hmm. in the way you do things to everyone else. And everybody else is looking at you and they're, waiting to see the tin hat, tin hat, you know, and the aerial coming out your head because you're moving into, and you question, you start to question everything because you realize that much of what you've been taught on this planet is actually not true, that it's inaccurate in many ways. And And that was where it took me and so many who wake up, they start looking at the, you know, the, the information and the knowledge that's put out there and realizing so much of it has been altered and changed to keep us from knowing the truth. And, you know, there is a huge truth embargo, not just with UFOs and extraterrestrials and whatever, but uh, in terms of hidden archaeology, um, anthropology, it, biology, you know, the DNA. We're not told about the truth about our DNA and the fact we're hybrids right through. So everywhere you look, you have to look again. And that includes many of the religions that have some truth in them, but also have other things that are, are more, more to the control, the control. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I am so with you. I mean, the amount of times that one, I just don't even, I just know that I'm not going to get anywhere with somebody. So something comes up and it's like, I know that I don't agree, but I don't even know where to start with, how to engage with to explain myself (laughs) why I have an alt you know why that mainstream you know thing that everybody's accepting why I can't get on board with it um or I find myself starting with I know this sounds crazy (laughs) you know I know I sound like a conspiracy you know um theorist or or whatever it is you know I know I know how this sounds but this is really seems right, you know, and it's it, it's hard to have those conversations. And that's not even those aren't even the truly, truly, you know, more, quote unquote, bizarre ones like, you know, oh, I'm being schooled off planet at night. You know, I'm getting taken in a in a starship. I mean, those are those are difficult things to convey to people if they're shut down, for sure. Um, I, I, I think are the, the, we're getting a, a real taste of that now in the polarities um, of beliefs. If you look at what's happening to the planet at the moment, um, one of my uh, good friends and colleagues is a molecular biologist, Dr. Lena Olson, and She's an experiencer who also has the labels ADHD and all the rest of it. And she said to me, Mary, I was told that we're we're sort of moving into two frequencies, low frequency people and high frequency people. And she said, and the low frequency people are going to stay in their 3D reality and the high frequency will move and shift into this higher awareness. And if you look at the polarities right now where you've got the belief in everything that's being put out on mainstream right now about this um, so-called pandemic. I'll say so-called because I've got reservations, big reservations about that. Um, And the ones that are seeing uh, another agenda 
another program behind all of that. And it's really hard. And I've got so many people saying to me, look, I'm trying to highlight, Mary, to my family and friends, there's more going on here than you're seeing and whatever. And they don't want to know or they don't want to hear it or they start to say, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Actually, you're a critical thinker if you're questioning the mandate because you need to question the mandate yeah. because we're being fed what, you know, those who wish to retain control of this planet want you to know. And that doesn't make it the truth. It just makes them, you know, very good at propaganda. Yeah. So we're having this separation now all over this, this what's happening on the planet, but it's deeper than that. And it, it go, and the thing is, as you say, you can't suddenly hit people with that if they've got no background because yeah. it, this is, a, this is a, um, a process of acceptance of a greater and greater and greater reality as you start to work your way through this whole phenomena of being multidimensional. But the first thing is to get people to accept in psychology and we've got a psychology model that doesn't honor the fact that we're multidimensional. It just says you can only trust your senses. Anything outside of that is an aberration. So while we've still got a, a psychology that isn't honoring the essence of the soul or spirit, that it, you know, our consciousness that is separate and can be separate from our physical body, we can't go any further until that changes and people realize that we are spirit inhabiting this human container rather than there's just a human container that when we die, that's, that's the end of uh, us as, as a being. So that, that's the big step. We have to change the way psychology now is promoted as the be all and end all of who and what we are. Unfortunately, there are many groups now that are exploring near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, astral travel, um, or uh, shamanic experiences, for example, that open them up to the other realms and whatever. So there is this movement of acceptance, even if it isn't in mainstream psychology or psychiatry that still thinks if you're hearing voices, you're crazy. Um, mm. Until we can change that, people are going to be afraid of owning their experience. And you know that I have met not just hundreds, but thousands of people that have this, these experiences. They're hearing these different intelligences, some of them are seeing them, some of them are seeing orbs of light and communicating with them. But you ask them in an everyday setting, do you have any unusual experiences? Oh, no, you know, no, 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 no. There is no way in this world they're going to own it to you until you show that you're prepared or you're open enough to, um, to their experiences. And this is, you know, I get phone calls all the time, Mary, you're going to think I'm crazy. Uh, you know, and I laugh because you can go into parallel universes, different timelines with me, you know, the secret space program, all of it's fine. Absolutely <laughs> fine with me. There's nothing that I won't discuss with you, you yeah. know, or here. Because, yeah. you know, I've reached a point where I say, I, you know, we don't know what we don't know about our multiverse. Are, are, you know, and who and what we are. We're, we're, we're just exploring the possibilities. Um, I, I'll give an example of what a, a nine-year-old recently came up and told his, his parents. And he said, he gave, she said he gave many details. He was a time traveler from the future. His real form is not the body he inhabits now. He is genderless in that form. Again, terms and concepts she had no idea he knew. 
he says his alien form is really us from the future and they are us and we are them. And he told, he told this to her at seven years. He went on to describe how he has no nails and four fingers. Now, what do you do with that with a seven-year-old? Wow. I mean, that's amazing to even be able to have the concept that you're from the future. So I don't know. I just, that's remarkable. Wow. This is, this is what I'm, Cara, the kinds of information that are coming to me from parents with these children and they're dumbfounded yeah. by some of the information that, you know, and, and they, they, he was talking about being visited from five the beings had black eyes and gray skin and they put him to sleep and took him, but they were part of a science team. Wow. Um, and he and told, told him he's very special. This is all at five years old. He's explaining this to oh his Oh my mom. gosh. You know? Yeah. So, you know, they, this is, this isn't, you know, you know that, and the parents know when a child is just using their imagination or this is coming from a truth you know, from them, because right. parents, know, parents know when their child is, is confabulating or whatever. Right. And, and when you get sim uh, children of similar age and older saying, you know, I'm not from here, right. that my, my parents are in space, for example, at five, and that's not just one child, but a number of children have come out with the same concept. You have to look at the patterns of those experiences and see Time and time again, they're, you know, they're talking about their special friend who's blue and takes them um, to the, a special school at night, or, you know, I call it space school, um, where they learn different things and they learn about energy and they learn how to use their consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. And they're also explaining, as one eight-year-old said to me, when he gets taken, he is there amongst other human children, but also other children that are not human. And I said to him, well, what are the non-human children look like how do you know they're different and he said oh it's their eyes mostly he said but we use our minds to create things and to learn things and to move things and very he said very complex information we get taught and I, I said to him naively so what kind of complex information do you get taught and he just looked me straight in the eye and he said but it's too complex for you <laughs> That well and truly put me back in my place. Because <laughs> you know, I wasn't quite enough. Um, oh. There you go. Oh, that's that's awesome. I love it. Well, you know, and you talk about how the the parents know the difference between just the wild imagination and when something's really seeming real. And that was another thing um, that you have these cases in the New Human where. Um, there are gifts or channelings that where it actually create these children. And I think in one case it was an adult, but where they're producing encoded works. So you have examples of a musician who effortly, effortlessly created encoded music and the mom could tell which pieces were that the child had created himself and which were channeled. Like she could tell and then it was just like, he just did it all at once, one take, kind of like, get the recording, I'm ready. And it was, boom, done. And she's like, and that is not his level, you know, without some sort of mysterious interference there. And the same with um, somebody producing encoded artwork. 
and then different um, children talking about different technologies, a lot of pyramid technology. Um, but even these human, the creators, the humans who are who are the the actual you know creators, let's say, um, they understand that it's encoded, but they ca- they can't even encode what they've created, or sorry, they can't even decode necessarily what they've created. And then you've got like crossings where you reference other people who've had contact who are experiencing the channeled art or music or whatever, and they recognize also, like you've got these confirmations of of other people who had the experience, but it blows my mind. I don't know if you want to share anything about some of this encoded work, or even if you notice in the wild, you know, outside of these, you know, when you're kind of just out and about, like, huh, that looks like it could be, or sounds like it could be encoded or? Um, Cara, it's something that I focused on very early on, often before many other researchers, simply because a young lady came to me in her early 20s with this extraordinary geometric artwork that she downloaded from, you know, her ET connections, Tracy Taylor. And it was complex. It was beautiful. Um, It had script, strange writing on it. Um, It was multidimensional as you looked at it. It, it, you know, it it took you into a special kind of place. That started me off when people said to me, well, what's the evidence um, and the reality of extraterrestrial contact? And since then, I've had sent to me thousands of examples of strange writing, scripts, some look, looks like shorthand, some looks almost Chinese, some looks look like ancient cuneiform, that they said they spontaneously found themselves wanting to um, uh, manifest, you know, to draw or whatever. But it wasn't just artwork, it was also scripts, but it was also these languages that would spontaneously uh, manifest in some people, they would go into do, learning about healing or doing maybe Reiki or another model of healing. And then as they're tuning in, they suddenly find themselves coming out with these unusual languages or we call star languages or light language or universal language or whatever. Um, so we had all these things manifesting after extraterrestrial contact. And mm. I said, I've said many times you know if this wasn't real that none of this would manifest because you wouldn't have these expressions of et contact um happening unless there was something very real going on and the fact that i've seen so many scripts look very similar and some people can translate them and some people can't because some of them are compressed files of information if you like as one young lady told me um she said one symbol can can contain the information to fill a room full of uh, encyclopedias. So it isn't a translatable one. It's the download of a program, whereas others can be translated. And one of the most powerful um, results of that was when I had a mother write to me when I um, was reading my book, Awakening, which is my first book, which is a resource book for people waking up to their experiences. And in it, I've got Tracy Taylor's story, but also one of her scripts 
this strange, like, looks like shorthand. And the mother said, I was reading the book and my daughter, who's seven, saw the script in the book and said, oh, I can, I can read that. And the mother said, you can read it? She said, oh, yes, and proceeded to tell her what it said. The mother contacted me and said, my daughter says that she can read this script. Um, I said, well, I'd love to talk to your daughter. And we did a Skype. And this very confident seven-year-old, I said to her, mom, you know, your mom says that you can read this script in my book. She says, oh, yes. She says, do you want it in the language or do you want it in English? Oh, wow. And I said, well, I'd like both if possible. <laughs> oh, yes, she goes. So she proceeds to speak in the language and then translates it into English. And then I said to her, do you know where it comes from? Do you know the source of this information? She said, oh yes, that's the Greys. Now, mm -hmm. um, a few weeks forward from that, I met the mother and the child in a group with other um, experiences. And I had a whole book of script that I took because people can rec sometimes recognize different scripts and have uh, an awareness and a knowing with them. And I said to this young seven-year-old, I said, have a look through. Is there anything you can, can translate here? And she went through, she said, some of these I can't, I don't recognize, that I can't translate. But she picked another one out and she was reading it almost horizontally. And she read it again in the same way with the language, then translated it. And I said to her, and where does this one come from? And she said, oh, the greys and the mantis. Now, you tell me if that isn't compelling because she was there amongst a whole load of adults. She had absolutely no problem in working out which script she could read and which ones she couldn't. And it was spontaneous. Now, um, you know, uh, this is just one example of what's going on. And many people get, get triggered when they see the scripts or whether the, when they hear the languages or they see the artwork, because all of it is, is a frequency which people, when they're ready to wake up, are triggered by. And when I spoke to this young man who was an artist in the book as well, and I said to him um, with his artwork, he said, Mary, my artwork is there to trigger consciousness. He said, when people look at it, it changes their perception. And he admitted that he has the knowing that he came from another dimension and that he's come in as an artist to do this artwork as a way of triggering consciousness. So when you have um, this kind of information coming from the symbols and, the, and you mentioned the young man with the piano, that blew me away too because he would just suddenly say to his mother, I need you to get the video, I am going to play this now and spontaneously play for five or 10 minutes without stopping mm. a particular piece that was um, uh, coming through him onto the piano. And then he would have the name for it. And one of them, I think um, I recall is called DNA activation. And I sent his information and his music to another artist in America who is Japanese actually. And she, um, at six years old, she had ET contact and a lot of her music was exactly the inspired in exactly the same way and she listened to his music and said it's genius um so here am I having someone who is a, a musician celebrated musician 
that's had these otherworldly experiences herself, recognizing in this young 11-year-old exactly the same process. And as you'll notice, Cara, I'm very careful to do as much validation um, and uh, to, to show how this isn't just a one-off, that I've looked at getting those that have some expertise to qualify as much as possible some of this data. So people just don't think it's just one person or whatever. No, let me tell you that there's this person or this person or there's a teacher or whatever that's seen this before or whatever, because it, it is important right. that we do our best to give it tangibility and validation. So it isn't to, as I call it, airy-fairy. Right. It's actually got based in a lot of tangibility um, on this planet and validity through other people's experiences. So the expressions are part of the reality of showing us that this is real. Right. Yeah. And that is absolutely correct. And the, the other piece, you know, you, you have examples like that where you were able to get in touch with somebody who commented directly on it. You also cite throughout the book um, different professionals who've come forward. So, for example, um, I want to say that it was like there are times where there are people who've had contact and, and experience with um, Mars, schools in Mars, but like in the planet, in under underground or, you know, within the planet. And then there are like, you know, security, um, I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, scientists who have experience with it, who have come out and written about it that you reference. You know, here's, you know, somebody who was in the government for X amount of years and, and wrote about this. Cara, uh, yeah. What I say is that it's been very important to bring this into, you know, what is known on this planet and those that are coming out, the whistleblowers, yeah. the people that have got really credible backgrounds. I mean, when I talk about the ADHD and Asperger's, there's two molecular biologists both giving that um, substance in terms of their understanding of the genetic changes, for example. Um, I think it's very important and people do have a need to validate this in a way that makes sense to them because if you're new to this it can sound too extraordinary for words unless you can look at the you know and, and we do that on this planet if you've got a phd in something or you've got certain credibility um medical doctor and of course as you know i've got a medical doctor story in the new human as well a lady who lives in melbourne who had this um, activation in, in India and now become, has become a shamanic MD. Um, her story is incredible. Again, you've got someone who's coming from a, a conventional background, um, having this shift and this activation, if you like, um, as she calls it, where she started to see and experience multidimensionality and, and you know, that the, the trauma of that for her in her environment because she was married to another doctor and that created huge personal problems for her but having to own her truth this is happening globally where people are having these um, activations and these shifts in consciousness going from a 
very much a 3D um, experience into a multi-dimensional one and letting go of everything that they knew at one point or accepted as their reality and how hard that can be where you're going from a conventional life into one where all of a sudden none of that matters anymore um, mm. and being drawn to a very holistic lifestyle, um, wanting to live holistically, um, not interested in materialism, changing their diet. And this can almost be in an overnight thing for mm. many people. And it may happen after a shamanic experience. It may happen after a death experience, or it may happen because they've seen a UFO or you know an unidentified aerial um, object is, is one of the favorites now. Um, what, what happens is that that changes their paradigm forever. And what people don't realize is when they see a craft, often there is a download or there's an activation going on, even though they may have only seen it for a few minutes. Because I will say to them after a sighting, did you feel different? And many of them will say, but yes, I have. I found myself researching things. I found myself wanting to understand things. I found myself being aware of, of things I would never have even looked at before. That's because something happened. And they didn't just see a UFO. They actually had um, an interaction that they don't recall. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And, yeah, I mean, I... And, and I haven't had a um, such a tangible experience like that. And even without that, you know, last night I was with some friends and and um, the the Mar the activity with NASA with Mars that's happening right now. Somebody was asking me if I'm keeping up with that and what I think about it. And I was like, you know, I really I really haven't. You know, the activity of, and I kind of said it like. I knew who I was talking to and that it, I wasn't really around uh, people who might appreciate it as much, you know, but, um, but I kind of said, well, from what I understand, from those who know, the activity is actually in the planet of Mars. They're actually in it. They're not on it. They're in it. And, um, and, and I, they just looked at me and, and we just, we all, you know, laughed and, and, I, uh, but you know, I don't, that goes to the credibility that you're talking about where it's, it's so important to have like the whistleblowers and the, the articles that you reference in your book, because it, it is hard when you don't have a frame of reference and, and I don't have the eloquence and the, you know, the, the knowledge of it to be able to be convincing about it. So I just have to kind of like go, well, you know what they what they actually say is, you know, and let it be light and let it just be a seed that, you know, for whatever it's worth. But um, one of the things that about Mars that I this was way before I'd really got involved in the way I have an understanding of the secret space program and what the children have told me about being taken and shown things on Mars. This was a regression I did. Um, with a uh, with the mother uh, this mother with a thirteen year old daughter, and the reason the mother had asked me to do the regression was the daughter was having experiences and she was getting very frightened. Up to that point, she'd been fine, and the mother said, "Look, you know, I just want to know why she's getting frightened because she hasn't been up to this point." And I said, "Well, okay, we'll find out. You know, who's been visiting that's created the fear." As it turned out. 
um, it was because they were different beings and she hadn't yet fully understood why these beings were visiting her. But once she did, she was fine and spontaneously. And this is what was interesting. So I didn't ask any questions to um, instigate this information. It, um, spontaneously, she said, oh, she says, I'm on this red planet, she goes, and there's a face there. Well, up to this point, I hadn't known about the face on Mars or anything. I come across that later. So I'm going, a face, red planet. And she said, oh, and she said, there's a flag there and it's the American flag. Now, this is before I knew about the face on Mars, about the secret space program or any of that. And certainly this 13-year-old knew nothing right. about <clears throat> this was coming out spontaneously. We'd done the, the bit that we, you know, uh, in the regression that she wanted to find out about. And then this just came out. And, and why I give that credibility is because of that. I hadn't asked any questions about Mars. I didn't even know then about face on Mars. Um, and what on earth was a, an American flag doing? Right, yeah. So, you know, when you put that all together, it's intriguing until you've, you start to get other information that gives it a lot more credibility. And the bottom line is there have been a number of children, um, young children, seven or eight, that have said when they're taken um, and shown things, some of them have been shown Mars and, and talked about beings under the surface of Mars, for example, mm -hmm. um, and, and what goes on there. So not just one, this is the point. Right. And this is, conscious, this is conscious memory from these children. This isn't regressions, this isn't hypnosis, this mm -hmm. is conscious recall of being shown things on not just Mars, but other planets as well and being shown how to work with energy, all these kinds of otherworldly things. And going into detail, I mean, it's like they'll explain something to me. And if I, I ask the detail, they'll give me detail. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's just a fuzzy overview. Right. This can, can be extremely complex as I ask them, well, tell me more about what else you saw or whatever. And what was this like? Um, and one of the young men that talked about coming from another planet where he was blue, he, he, had, uh, he drew the picture of what he looked like and all down one leg with these symbols. And I said to him, so can you tell me what symbols stand for? And he did that as well. Oh, wow. He actually told me what each symbol meant on down his leg. Now, what child, you know, of, of that age would be able to do something like that right. and actually um, go to that kind of detail? And that's my point. For those skeptical and saying, oh, are you sure it's not their imagination or what have you? This, this isn't something you see on a cartoon, you know. Um, right. This isn't something, you know, uh, that is normal for a child of that age to see, you know, in some sci-fi or whatever. It's just, it's completely different and so are the images. And that's my point. Right. So, you know, again, for the skeptics out there, I, I do look at what possibly could be an explanation. Naturally, I would do so. But I also know that when you've got a number of children saying the same thing from different parts of the world that haven't spoken to each other or whatever, then you have to give it more credibility. One of the most interesting, when I was working with these families when I was in the US, a little seven-year-old, he didn't share in the group because I think he felt a bit overwhelmed with the older children and whatever. So we had a private chat 
And he was telling me how he was being visited by the Sasquatch, you know, Bigfoot, mm. um, and how this teenage Bigfoot was telling him things. And then he went on to um, say to me, you know, I could speak dolphin. And I said, oh, can you? He says, do you want to hear it? And I said, that would be great. So he then picks up all the, you know, the sounds of the dolphin, which I thought was amazing. Oh my God. And he says, you know, Mary, I can tell when someone's lying or telling or speaking the truth. So I said, well, how, do, how, does that, how does that work then? How do you know? And he said, well, he said, if they're lying, I go all cold. And if they're speaking the truth, then I go all warm. So that was how he judged the truth or something that wasn't the truth. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Speaking dolphin, that'd be awesome. I wanted to do that. <laughs> So we touched a little bit on this um, previously, but, you know, one of the things that I love so much about the new human and your work is shining the light on the awakening from this other lens. So in a lot of spiritual communities, there is a lot of talk about this great awakening that's being experienced, that's being spoken about. Um, that humanity is undergoing a great awakening. Um, the planet itself is as well. Um, but yours was the first work that I'd come across that kind of looks at it from this galactic perspective and that there is this influx of assistance that's here um, in the form of the children who are incarnating that we've some of whom you we've highlighted in in our discussion, but also in the contact itself. So, um, you know, a lot of these beings, a lot of the humans are remembering, like you said, conscious recall of interactions where you know in the nighttime, you know, while they're sleeping or whatever, they're they're having experiences of going on board ships, um, and or they're waking up and seeing it. Um, and a lot of times it is for the assistance, you know, that, that this assistance is, is needed right now for this awakening. Um, and there were some, a few freaky stories <laughs> too <laughs> that of, um, encounters where that seemed to be actually, there was, uh, you know, an attempt to, stand in the way, you know, where there were, um, more kind of scary encounters and that there were maybe ET races, for example, that are wanting to prevent this awakening from happening. So, um, have you found that there are like specific races of ETs that, um, are more prone to standing in the way of this? Or is it more of a, even groups within species, or do you have that level of detail? Carl, that's a, a good question, and it's a complex one mm. because we're on this planet for, um, often I get asked, you know, who's the goodies and who's the baddies? Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, though it's as clear cut as that, unfortunately, I can't say it is. Um, for example, the first thing is that many people initially may see their experiences as really traumatic and scary, understandably so, until they find out more about 
their experiences and realise that maybe when they've been taken, there's been, you know, 50% of those surveyed in our free, um, of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell survey that I was part of, 50% um, had healing experiences, for example. So sometimes when you're in a, a fear place, you, you will project that it's got to be bad because you're scared. What we discovered was when you get past the fear, and this was interesting in the survey that we did with 4,200 people globally, was when we asked where it had taken them, 85% of them described a psycho-spiritual transformation. Wow. Only 15% remained traumatized and said they were evil or bad or whatever. So... That's really important to state because people can go through a period where they really don't know whether they're good or bad or whatever, but they're scared. And you project when you're scared um, the, the fear, which means, oh, well, they've got to be bad because I'm scared. So not necessarily. What I say to people is don't read um, about a, another person's perspective of them being. What do you feel when you have experience with one of these beings? What is, what's your sense of them rather than somebody else's sense? It seems to me um, from what the research has been, not only mine, but others, is overall, most of these intelligences seem to be benevolent and are part of our star family genetically, that they, um, they're here to help. They're here to assist us with what we're doing. Otherwise, we wouldn't have 85% talking about a psycho-spiritual transformation. Um, and you don't do that if you're, you're a bad, you, you, you've got a, a negative agenda. You don't raise people's consciousness, do you? Right. So um, that, that's telling you something. But there is a real mix because there are agencies on this planet that definitely don't want to see this evolution of species um, because of their own agendas. And that's humans, I might add. But there are also other intelligences, some of them at least, not all of them, but some of them have got um, a possibility of being those that are trying to stop it. Some say some of the reptilian species, the dracos or whatever, but not all of them. Some of them apparently are very benevolent um, and people have had benevolent, beautiful experiences with some of the reptilians. So this makes it very complex when you get some people having wonderful experiences and saying they're trying to evolve too. And you get others where they have a really scary experience. What people also need to know, and this is going down the rabbit hole, is that in some of these facilities, there are programmed life forms, such as reptilians and greys, for example, that are not really tased, but are cloned, that are programmed by the military and are not positive. Mm -hmm. It's, um, we call them the MyLab, um, part of the MyLab, military abductions and all that, because there are military abductions. And that's a whole dark side of some of humanity that do not want us to evolve. And I mean, we, we know about that anyway, in the sense of who's running this planet. And we can say for sure there are certain agencies on this planet that definitely don't want people to wake up, definitely don't want us to evolve into another level of awareness because they actually have control of things the way they are. So you have to look at it in context. So who are they? Some, there are some um, researchers that say that all of our interactions are benevolent. You'll get some that say, no, there are certain ones that are bad and some are good. I don't know. I honestly don't know other than I'm looking at the outcome. And the outcome 
for at least a high percentage of people has been extremely positive. And that in itself is, is to me, far more of an indicator of what most of these intelligences want for us. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this shift in consciousness with our interactions with them. Right. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I found kind of, I mean, captivating and confusing, you know, when, when it is like, wait, the, that's a reptilian that's, you know, in, in, in a certain story later, reptilians doing this and, and healing and, you know, providing all that. So it's, it's really amazing. One of my shamanic friends was talking about it. It's though, you know, think of the underground railroad during the civil war, you know, it's like you, you never are going to have like all good, all bad, you know, it's, there are going to be factions within every example in the universe that represent, you know, well, maybe not the universe, maybe there are all benevolent races, I hope so, but certainly here on earth, and then that's definitely conceivable in terms of greys or reptilians or, you know, so forth. I think I'd like to just say that, you know, on our spiritual journey, our soul journey, we've chosen to incarnate in a duality. And you can't know joy unless you know sadness. Mm. You, you know, you don't have the challenges, which is what duality gives you. What is loving? What is not loving? How do you end up with a, an understanding of which one your, your soul may choose? So, we have choices here because of the duality, because that's the way we learn and we grow. So instead of seeing it as good or bad, seeing it as an opportunity to go towards whatever it is your heart resonates with. And hopefully that's one of love, um, compassion, healing, acceptance, all those things that we all aspire to. So, you know, um, the, the, the negative, as some people would say, or, or that, you know, what they would consider as bad, is it's like, because I, you know, in counseling, I would say to somebody, I would reframe the perspective of their experience and say, okay, you've been through all this trauma and all, all the, um, you know, the, the, the challenges that gave you, where in it can you see that it's been perhaps helpful to your understanding? So in other words, where's the silver lining in that? Frame it into, look at this now. Look at what you're aware of because you've experienced that. And interestingly, there's a a lady that experienced the MyLab being taken and abused underground by humans, um, traumatized and raped. And she's um, facing the shadow, embracing the light by Nayara Isley. I wrote the foreword for a book. And she had experienced all, all of that. And then she found her connection to her star family. And she said, why would I, you know, why did I experience that? Why did I have to experience all of that? And they said, because you're going to write about it and expose it. So her reason for experiencing it was so she understood and she could expose what really is going on. So there's always, there's there's that, that bit of why did I need to experience that? And it's always going to be. An important significant reason why we experience mm. some of these challenges on this planet I believe anyway right yeah well said that's great um one of the one of the other 
things that's so fascinating with your book and with regard to this great awakening that's happening is your book was published in 2016, that, well, The New Human that I've been referencing. And, um, in, and of course, the research and the cases predate that publishing date, you know, as we're in linear time, <laughs> that would stand to reason. So you have these, you know, lots of cases in, in the book where they're talking about this big event that's coming. So, you know, maybe it's 2013, 2014, and these people who have had contact, they have been given information that there is a big shift coming for the planet. And, um, and it's fascinating to read that in 2021 after the huge change that we are still experiencing, but that began, you know, a year ago for a lot of us here. Um, And I don't know if you have, um, if you have thoughts about what we've been going through in the past year, if it, if this is syncing up with what a lot of those say, there are cases in your book, you know, where it kind of even goes beyond what we've been through, where it talks, you know, more about even more control and um, more, you know, it like what we've been experiencing is maybe not even quite what's to come. Um, but our world has changed so much in the last 12 months Um and, and Gaia, the planet, has changed as well, you know, with with the the people not traveling so much, and um, you know there has there has been change, physical change with the planet too. Um, but there, this definitely adds a different perspective, you know, talking about the opportunities and and um, you know how everything is works eventually in our favor. But um, this other lens of this being maybe this event that we've been going through has been what has been predicted in by by these contact some of these contact experiences. Do you do you see that, or do you think that it's still to come? It's a very good question. When this all started to unfold last year, I spoke to a ten-year-old who lives in Australia who. Um, has contact with um, light beings, and he said he comes from a planet of light where they manifest instantly and explained to me that it's much harder. It takes longer to manifest on planet Earth. He said it's a bit more of a um, challenge. But I asked him about what was going on on the planet, and he just quite casually said, oh, Mary, this is the reset, was his comment. And then, you know, what what does that mean? And that means, of course, um, depending on your perspective, it's a good or it's, it's a bad thing. Everything that I had been told from various um, of those that were having experiences that this was to come, we are experiencing, we're in it right now, this whole reset. Um, and what I think is important to say, no matter how dark it gets, and they always say it's always the darkest before the dawn, is that we have to experience this as part of this whole shift in consciousness so that then we can be who we are, we, we, we've chosen to be on, um, in that, that new awareness that we're all 
um, hoping is going to be part of this quantum shift in consciousness. And, you know, the, the important thing with that, I think, is, is that it's focusing us on looking within. Um, everything you can see as a negative is being trapped inside. What it's also doing is getting people to think, to decide what's important. They're looking at their lives and making uh, changes, and sometimes big changes because of what's happening. So it's, it's creating this whole shift and change and getting people to, to focus rather than being on the treadmill as many many are, are because that's the way you know the 3D works and what have you. But when people say to me, "But Mary, you know, it's just going further and further, you know, into this darkness," I'm saying, "Look, my perspective is this: we have had over the last 80, 90, 100 years, we've had new aware souls coming to this planet from all over the cosmos and other uh, other dimensions to assist this planet in this huge shift." In consciousness and I said do you think they would have come to this planet and worked this hard to get us to this point where we're seeing these things happen I said you you wouldn't incarnate if it was for a waste of time so you know there's no way you would say um, okay I'm going to go that planet. I'm going to work really hard but at the end it's not going to work you wouldn't do that you would only come if you knew that this was going to it was going to work that what your contribution along with everybody else was going to make this shift. These children with all their gifts and what have you have come in because they know they can use them. So whenever it looks dark, just remember that. Just remember that we have these star seeds everywhere over the planet now, and they're just waiting to bring in their abilities and their awareness and their healing frequencies so that we can be part of this shift. And when Dr. Olson, in her connection, was shown the separation of the frequencies, it was about saying some are going to choose to stay in 3D because that's where their soul at the moment wishes to experience. For those that are ready to go to that other level of awareness, um, they will actually do that. And I asked Zach, who's in the book, um, about the New Earth. Many oh, yeah, about I love them. Zach. Yes. And he, he actually he said, it's, it's already there, Mary. It's waiting. It's already there. So yeah. when people, you know, get this feeling of, you know, it's all, just remember you've come in to experience this, to experience it all. Stay with that, that heart center and just allow it to unfold because you've come here to be part of it. And that's not something to be scared of. It's what your soul has chosen. Well, that that's beautiful, and I think that's a a perfect place for us to stop. So, what a blessing to have you here! Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, and thank you just for stepping into your purpose and your mission, and offering a haven for these beautiful souls who are here and need support just like what you're what you're providing it's a huge blessing and then the information that you're providing to people like me who are just still learning and it's all so new and this book is so accessible um, with the language you use and all the the verification that you've done it's it's truly a blessing so thank you I honor you I appreciate you so much for being here thank you Mary
Cara, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you and also to hear um, you know, what you're doing as well and to your role in putting information out that is, you know, is, is helping people through this journey as well is absolutely vital. So mm -hmm. I honor you and your work absolutely and please keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. What a blessing. And thank you, dear listener. Thank you for joining. Thank you for your continued support. You've been listening to Mary Rodwell, author of The New Human. And I highly encourage you, if you found this, this chat interesting, do yourself a favor and get her book because it's full of I mean, that the vibration, the frequency, the, the wisdom that is coming from Mary and from these star seeds is, it's, it's powerful. And this book really packs, hacks, hacks, hacks. Um, 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 I, 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 that out, 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 out. Share this, 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 this. People in your life, 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 this, 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 this so important, um, for people understanding the shift that we're going through and understanding this um, beginning to understand multidimensionality and how there is just so much more happening here than, um, than we may have awareness to currently. So it's through works like this that we expand we raise our own frequency, we raise our awareness, and that in turn helps everybody. It helps humanity, it helps the planet. So um, anyway, thank you again, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation. Mm -hmm.